You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of your favorite Broncos podcast, the Huddle Up Podcast. Presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, it is powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we were just watching together a very exciting, if you're a Browns fan right now, you mm. got to be super stoked. We just watched this hype video that basically takes Brown Brown's imagery and all the changes and new things they've had, uh, you know, with Baker Mayfield and now all the new free agent signings, and splice that over the the new Avengers trailer. It's pretty. Uh, if you're a Browns fan, man, there's there's a lot to be excited about in Cleveland. Chills right now. I mean, anyone who hasn't seen it, go on Twitter. I believe it was Barstool Sport Sports who put out the uh, video. It deserves an Oscar, Chad. It brought tears to my eyes. I want to be a Browns fan so badly, only because <laughs> of what they're putting together with Baker and Odell and all that defense and the coaching staff. I happen to be a big fan of Freddie Kitchens. I just uh, you said it. it's a it's a very exciting time for the fans in Cleveland. And from an outsider's perspective, I'm happy for him. They've yeah. suffered through a lot of quarterbacks. We've all seen that jersey with all the taped names on the back, and they finally got their man in Baker, who the Broncos wanted, who I wanted, who you wanted, and it's going to benefit them for quite a while. As a child of the 80s, I can remember those AFC Championship games in which Elway outdueled Bernie Kosar and got to the Super Bowl. And I don't know if it's because of that or what, but I've always had a soft spot for the Cleveland Browns and You know, maybe some of it has to do with them losing their team when uh, Baltimore, when the Ravens, you know, what what was his name? Modell took the Browns and moved and become the Baltimore Ravens. And and the cover of night. That's right. That's right. Under the cover of darkness and and all that, just all the pain and the sorrow, you know, they call it the mistake by the lake and all that. (laughs) Cleveland's on the rise and it all starts with the quarterback. It all starts with the freaking man, Baker Mayfield, without that quintessential crucial building block it doesn't matter that you took one of the best edge rushers of a generation you know a year before that it doesn't matter what free agent pieces you put around them if you don't have the quarterback Zach you are dead in the water you can only get so far which is why we keep talking about look Joe Flacco he's an upgrade okay he's an upgrade over Keenum but he's not Baker Mayfield he's not the long-term difference-making franchise guy that the Broncos need to go from, like the Chiefs. I mean, look what Patrick Mahomes did for the Chiefs. Instead of being one of those fringe playoff teams that's just always kind of knocking at the door, now in the over the course of one season, the Kansas City Chiefs are, you know, con- real contenders. So that's what the Broncos have the opportunity. Possibly, I'm not saying they will, but the possibility is there, Zach to get that quarterback in this class at pick 10. And that's why we keep pounding the table and advocating for the Broncos not to just uh, rest all their hopes on 34-year-old Joe Flacco. I don't see any hype videos, Chad, being made about him. I mean, there's a big difference between going into a season with him under center and Baker Mayfield under center. And until the Broncos have that guy they can build around, there's not going to be that same groundswell support, groundswell support from the fan base, from the outside media, from outside teams. Uh, Flacco doesn't move the needle much outside of Denver. And until they get a guy, whether it's this class or next class or 2021, um, it's just going to continue to haunt them. They got to get that guy. And Chad, until they do, you and I, I know we're going to keep pounding the table for it. We uh, we were just talking about also a hype video watching this Cleveland Browns one that I was reminded of. Some fans might remember this, especially those of you who've been following Mile High Huddle for a long time. But when the Broncos landed Peyton Manning back in 2012, they, some dude, some fan put together a, a hype video, uh, something like Denver Broncos Rise, and it was a bunch of Broncos imagery that was put over the Dark Knight Rises trailer. And that was a badass video. I'm not sure if it still exists. I'm researching that now. And if it is, for what it's worth, those of you listening, I'll try and tweet a link or something. But there was also another cool one, Zach, we also touched on that uh, we were reminded of watching that Browns one, the the Denver Broncos Jedi one that showed Peyton and Kubiak and Elway and all that. 
I, I love videos like that, Chad. They always, you know, make the, the hairs rise on my arms. I just, you know, whether that's Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins or someone next year, I just want to see the Broncos in that position. I want to feel that same optimism for long-term sustainability at the most important position in all of sports. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, Vic Fangio went down to the NFL owners meetings and of course he was along for the ride with John Elway and all the competition committee stuff that was getting adjudicated down there. And then he also of course showed up to the head coach's breakfast and just dropped some knowledge. I mean, it was the most voluminous complete uh, Vic Fangio press conference that I've ever seen. I mean, the, the actual transcript is a couple of pages long. He talked for a long time, like about an hour, I think Zach. And so we got a lot to get to. We're going to basically pull the main takeaways from that, deliver those to you, and then analyze what it all means and project that going forward. But first, just a couple quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you are following this show on Twitter. It's really easy to do. You can do it even right now while you're listening to the podcast. Open up Twitter on your phone. Find at HuddleUpPod. Click the follow button. It's a great way to support the show. It's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show when we do call-outs, when we tweet new links, when we ask for questions for a Twitter mailbag, all that. That's how you can be involved in that sense. And also, you guys have done a really good job in terms of heeding our call to action to review and rate the show on iTunes. We need to keep that momentum rolling. We're well into the triple digits now. We want to get to 200 if possible, we it, it's a it's a high bar, but we want to try to get to 200 reviews on iTunes between now and the draft. That gives us a month. So if you have not done that, you're an iTunes user, you listen to the show on iTunes, just take two minutes. Maybe it takes a little longer, but just take a few minutes, find the show, uh, give us a, a creative review. It doesn't have to be too long. Five-star rating. You have no idea how much that helps us grow and reach new listeners and rise up the rankings on iTunes. So please take care of that. Help Zach and I, help Carl and Nick, all of us reach our goal of hitting 200 reviews and ratings on iTunes before the draft, which kicks off April 25th. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach, so let's just kind of start from the beginning. Again, it was a very illuminating conversation, and it wasn't one of those kind of forced, awkward environments where Fangio seemed to feel like he was on the spot, unlike his introductory press conference when we got a chance to talk to him at the Combine. It was very limited time-wise, very perfunctory, you know, very uh, team-speak type of stuff. 
This was a much more relaxed Fangio where he waxed poetic a little bit more. His answers were a little bit more insightful. He kind of dropped the curtain a little bit more. You could tell he's kind of settling in. He's starting to get to know some of the faces of the local media. And he's dropping his guard a little bit and letting his his true thoughts and personality kind of come to the surface. So it's exciting to see. And if you want to actually sit and watch the entire interview, Denver Broncos YouTube has it. So you can go check that out. But we're going to break down the main takeaways. And let's first start with this concept here, Zach. You wrote about it, that Vic Fangio, when he arrived to the Denver Broncos, he has not, in fact, to use his own words, he has probably spent less, less than 150 plays watching 2018 Denver Broncos film. Here's here's the exact quote. He said, I have watched very little of the Broncos from the 2018 season. I bet you under 150 plays. The only guys I've watched are the guys we've had to make decisions on. If the guy's on our roster and he's going to be on our roster, I want to form my own opinion. Close quote. Mm. So meaning that I don't need to go to the film and watch the stumbling and bumbling of Vance Joseph and company. I'll, I'll analyze the guys that we have to make a decision on, like the Brandon Marshalls and the Darian Stewarts and whoever else they analyzed and kept. And then I'll just wait till I get them out on the grass and evaluate them myself, Zach. Here lies Vance Joseph. Vic Fangio bodied him, held a ceremony, and said a prayer for him. I mean, to say that, it really shows what he thought of his predecessor, and rightfully so. The Broncos were an inept mess last year from coaching downward, and there's no reason to even explore that film. He was very smart in what he said, and I thought it was even more telling that he surprised John Elway, and he already has that power chat within the organization to commit and, and get away with film murder, so to speak. And not having to watch the film, which is his job as a coach, and instead relying on his own instincts and see how players perform in his system. And that's actually something I wanted to see from him. So I could not be more pleased with how Fangio has come in so far and really undid the culture that Vance Joseph left behind and repainted over it with his own colors and his own ideas and his own values. And Elway immediately gravitated toward that. You can tell they share an immense respect within one another. And this power setup is really going to be beneficial for the Broncos in the long term if Elway is allowing this much input and ceding this much control to a first-time head coach. I mean, but in terms of the play thing, though, I could absolutely not love that more. He wants to see how he, they perform in his system, and they all perform better. It's, it's apples and watermelons, Chad. You can't compare. One of the more interesting quotes, too, and this kind of speaks to the paradigm shift of the coaching and the fact that there's this the sense and feeling that there's an adult back in the in the building, you know, running the coaching department for the Broncos and Vic Fangio and his staff. There was a quote. In fact, he was he was being uh, asked about how important it is to have a speedy linebacker. For example, you know, Roquan Smith. And the the, the basic notion is that neither Josie Jewell or nor Todd Davis are viewed as speedy sideline-to-sideline guys. One's kind of viewed as a two-down thumper. One, as as our friend Benjamin Albright likes to say, Josie Jewell, is more of a run-funnel guy. There's questions as to whether either of those players can project. There's questions as to whether either of those players can project as three-down linebackers under Vic Fangio. But this entire time, anytime he has spoken publicly, he's said good things, especially about Josie Jewell. Regarding the notion about speed, he brought up an interesting quote that kind of ties into the mindset, right, and in the, in the, the paradigm shift that's taking place at the coaching level. He said regarding speed and whether or not that changes the way he schemes or coaches, how fast his linebackers are, he says, quote, it doesn't change, Zach. Navarro Bowman had his prime with us in San Francisco. He was a 4-7 linebacker when he came out, but he had great instincts, great know-how, and great feel. Maybe we'll be playing with players more like that, meaning Josie Jewell, Todd Davis. We just have to figure out a way to get it done. A good carpenter doesn't blame his tools. He just finds a way to get the thing built. We just Great try quote. to do our best. Great quote. And, and you know what? Some fans have looked at that like the Broncos are shying away from an inside linebacker number 10. Um, but I don't think he's wrong. Navarro Bowman is a better player than Devin White, and I think he had better in Roquan Smith than Devin Bush. Both those players are better than their 2019 counterparts. And maybe he wants a bigger inside linebacker. Maybe he has concerns about the weight for Devin White and Devin Bush. He wants more of a, a three-down guy. If he thinks he can make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what with Josie Jewell or whoever's beneath them, I mean, I would go along with that. 
I don't necessarily think it takes him out of the running, though, for an inside linebacker. But what Fangio has made clear and what Elway is being allowed is some of these players giving a chance to start and not having to replace them in the draft or free agency, learning how they do under Fangio before making another decision. I just think it's the right call. I think they have the players in place with Josie Jewell. They don't have to reach on a Devin Bush, who might not be a top-ten pick, Chad. Right. In fact, it was interesting what he said specifically. Here's the quote comparing both the Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush, to Roquan Smith. He says, quote, I don't think either one is as good as Roquan at this stage in their career. Roquan is a special player and a special individual. It's going to take a while to see that in those other two guys, closed quote. So I don't know if that was a smokescreen. He talked a lot about certain things being smokescreens, the actions teams take, the things they say this time of year oftentimes can be smokescreens. I happen to believe that this is not one of those situations. I think this was a genuine remark and a genuine belief from Vic Fangio that he's not necessarily taking anything away from Devin White or Devin Bush because they're both good prospects in their own right. What he's saying is they're not at a step in day one, make a Pro Bowl level impact like Rokon Smith did last year, who had 122 tackles as a rookie, five sacks. He had an interception. He didn't make the Pro Bowl, but he produced a Pro Bowl caliber season he was the number eight overall pick. And if Fangio is not seeing that kind of value in White and Bush in the top 10, I mean, I think we can kind of read between the lines. Who knows? You know, it'll all depend on how the board falls and how the Broncos have certain players ranked, certain prospects. But this led me to believe, Zach, that they're a lot less, the Broncos, a lot less inclined, if even Devin White's there at 10 or Bush, to take an inside linebacker in the first round, considering how high they are in the draft again this year. I'm with you, and I think that it was it was really genuine by Fangio, and I think it could be determined as a flaw for a young coach, not holding all the cards close to his chest. He'll learn as he grows in the position, um, but I do believe he was genuine in that, in that environment where he was sitting at a round table at a coach's breakfast, a couple of reporters. He wasn't up on a press conference podium. He did let his guard down, as you said, Chad, and he was being truthful. Um, I just don't think that it was going to take the Broncos any options away from them. However they rank, however high they rank Devin White on their board, however that matches up with where they are in the draft, whoever the players land in their lap in the draft, that's how they'll determine where they want to go. But they never were or never are going to draft for need. They're not going to reach for a guy because they have a hole. They're going to rely on the Broncos scouting and the Broncos coaching to fill those holes. And if someone like Josie Jewell, who I thought it was interesting that Fangio said he was one prospect he scouted last yeah. year with the Bears in yep. college. Yep. So, I, I mean, he has some familiarity with there, and that's one guy he's kept name-dropping over and over. Right. So if we take him at his word that he's genuine here, then we have to take him at his word that he's genuine about Josie Jewell. I think there really is a, a special regard for Josie Jewell in the, in the eyes of Vic Fangio. Here's the quote that Zach's referring to. He says, quote, referring to both Todd Davis and Josie Jewell at first, he says, quote, I like those guys with what little I've seen of them. I haven't seen a lot because, remember, he's only watched 150 plays of last year's team. I actually saw more of Josie as a college player. That's more fresh in my mind because I watched him last year. I like those guys. So if Vic Fangio was watching Josie Jewell and spending time scouting him, that's because the the scouting department, they present him with a list of players because they want his input as an expert on linebackers. And he obviously kind of fixated in and zeroed in on Josie Jewell. Obviously didn't end up going to Chicago because they were able to get Roquan Smith really early, thus filling a, a pretty significant roster hole there next to Danny Trevathan. But in a alternate universe, Zach, had the Bears not been able to get Roquan Smith, if he'd have been off the board possibly, who knows? Maybe Josie Jewell would have heard his name called sometime between round one and three by the Chicago Bears by virtue of Vic Fangio's regard for him. Yeah, and, and he fits in that defense well, and I get the impression that he likes a, a bigger-bodied off-ball linebacker. And Josie Jewell, though he doesn't have the the physical freak talent of a Devin White, he's more of a consistent lunge pail type player, and that's what Fangio really values, and that's what he hopes to avoid in his whole death-by-inches thing, a player who's well-rounded, not just good at one thing. So if you take him at his word, Josie Jewell will have a chance to start this year. Whether it's a smokescreen, I mean, we'll know April 25th, won't we? For the record, there are some interesting inside linebacker prospects for the Broncos to consider post-round one. So if, let's say, pick 10 rolls around and it's a quarterback or it's a defensive line guy and neither Devin White nor Devin Bush are around when the Broncos are on the clock in round two, there are 
a grip of interesting prospects that could come in later, let's say late round two, well, let's say round three through round seven. And if you want to get a snapshot and kind of a Cliff Notes version scouting report on each one of those linebackers and who they are, we published an article by Eric Trickle on Tuesday that lists each one of them and breaks down their strengths, their their weaknesses, and what they could bring to the table. So go find that on the website, 16 inside linebacker prospects the Broncos could target after round one. But it is interesting, Zach, because he really has seemed to zero in on Josie Jewell. And, you know, I talked to a guy like Nick Kendall, who is, you know, very knowledgeable with regard to evaluating personnel and, you know, what type of, of attributes – each position requires and demands at the NFL level. And he's had his doubts ever since, even though he's an Iowa guy, Nick's had his doubts about Josie Jewell ever since the Broncos spent a, a fourth-round pick on him as a coverage linebacker. But I think most fans, if you th- if you picture Navarro Bowman in your mind at his peak there in San Francisco when Vic Fangio was there, you don't picture him as a slow, two-down, thumping linebacker. He was on the field all three downs, and he was very effective in coverage, and he's actually, I remember him making a huge play, a huge interception in a playoff game for the San Francisco 49ers in which he displayed his prowess as a coverage guy uh, for all to see. And so what I'm getting at here is Josie Jewell might not be the most twitched out, you know, fast sideline to sideline type of, of linebacker, but with Vic Fangio over his shoulder, molding him, coaching him, I mean, that expertise is going to flow, and Josie Joel and both Todd Davis are stand to be two of the biggest beneficiaries of Fangio coming over. Who knows? Maybe we will see the rise of Josie Jewell in terms of a player who was, you know, interesting and exciting as a rookie really take that quantum leap forward under Fangio in year two. Well, when you, th- when you think about 49ers inside linebackers, you think of Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, but there's one guy who stands out who reminds me a lot of Josie Jewell, and that's Chris Borland, who Fangio loved um, with the Niners. That, that was his guy there. So if he thinks he can get the same production out of him, just a, a lunch pail guy who does his job at all the right times, is in the right spot at the right time, if he thinks he can get that out of Josie Jewell, I would not be surprised at all if they ignore that position in the draft for the most part and then give him an open competition with Todd Davis uh, to start inside linebacker. It'll be very interesting to see how it shakes out. Let's move on and talk about some of the offensive uh, takeaways from Vic Fangio's remarks. And the first one here is something you wrote about. Vic Fangio, I, I don't want to read too much into this. We'll talk about it here, obviously, but he basically said that he's going to be involved in game planning offensively and in terms of play calling. Here's the full quote. He said, quote, I do get involved and will be involved. This is with regard to managing the Broncos offense. And, of course, we know Rich Scangarello was the hire. Maybe not to the point where I'm talking to Mike Munchak about his steps of the offensive linemen and stuff, but we're trying to accomplish offensively what our overall philosophy and the way we go about it, running the ball, passing the ball, I'll be involved in it, close quote. Zach, what was your takeaway from that remark? I'm not too worried about it. I mean, he's an old coach who's seen a lot in the NFL. Um, it's a first-time offensive coordinator. It's a first-time quarterback's coach. A lot of the moving parts. He's going to just you know, give his input, and I like what he said also. you know, He's had three decades of coaching experience. From coaching defenses, he can relay that to the offense and kind of you know, iron sharpens iron. So I like it, and as long as he doesn't um, you know, spread himself too thin and ignore the defense, which is his baby still, I have no problem with this at all. Yeah, I basically view it as, look, I'm the head coach. I know what I want offensively as a as a kind of outline. You know, remember he had that phenomenal quote that was just like next level, third dimension type of remark at his introductory press conference talking about the notion of balance. Whereas, you know, most fans and even media, when they talk about balance, they're talking about the ratio of run to pass. And he took it a few levels down in terms of analysis and talked about all the different ways in which an offense needs to be balanced. And so he'll have those that type of an input is is my take on this in terms of steering uh, Scangarello and making sure things are on the right track. But as far as like play calling, I think the most you'll see from Fangio in terms of fingerprints on the offense is in the odd situational sense in certain games, you know, maybe he's feeling in his gut, now's the time to take a shot. Or, hey, 
what I'm seeing from that defense right now, Rich, I think if we do a little deceptive play here, you know, and try and exploit what that defensive end on the weak side is, you know, selling out to do, this would be a good time to do. Those type of things like that where, you know, the game is kind of dictating what the situation is and based on his wealth of experience, he's able to say, hey, here's what I think we should do here, Rich. As far as the X's and O's and the and the, and the play calling and, and really most of the game planning, I still think that's the onus is going to be on Skangarello. Right. And, you know, I like the fact that he's getting involved. He's a lot more assertive, it sounds like, than Vance Joseph was. And I think the players and his coaches will respect that. Um, I think Munchak, though, will have much more input than Fangio or anyone else who's not Scangarello in that offense. You're talking about a guy who was a head coach, a Hall of Fame lineman. Um, they're going to have a, a bigger running component than, than people realize, considering they brought in Joe Flacco. So Mike Munchak will have a lot of input. And considering all the, the brainstorming power they're putting together, you know, two heads better than one. It can only benefit a Broncos offense um, that's still coming together and still forming its identity. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think they're going to really, especially because of Munchak coming to Denver, I think they're really going to lean on the running attack. I mean, and why wouldn't you? You have a young, exciting Pro Bowler at the position in Philip Lindsay. You have uh, another running back, one year removed from being a third round pick, who showed some real signs the first half of the season of being a, a, at times, dominant runner. And then you got a guy in a contract year that showed mass improvement in his third season, taken to some improved coaching from Curtis Modkins, who is sticking around in Devontae Booker. You've got a little trio there that you could really make some hay. And if you think back to the type of West Coast offense under Gary Kubiak that the Baltimore Ravens deployed back in 2014 – Justin Forsett had a Pro Bowl season, and most fans can remember Forsett because he came in at the tail end of the 2016 season and uh, played a couple of games in, in the Broncos' orange and blue for Gary Kubiak. But in 2014, he carried the ball 235 times, had over 1,200 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, and he averaged over five yards per carry. That was in the West Coast zone-blocking scheme you know, the basic foundation that Scangarello Zach is going to be deploying as the OC in, in Denver. And it might be dressed up different. You know, it might be ran more out of three wide type sets and, and different kind of uh, movement pre-snap and things that look a little bit more modern and fall into line a little bit more with the way the NFL is trending. But at bottom, it's going to be the same philosophy that we saw Flacco succeed in in 2014 and also a, a ground game really go to the next level for the Ravens that same season. And also in that backfield is Andy Janovich, one of the best fullbacks in the NFL. So you put that all together, and you have the makings of a really dominant running game, a really smash-mouth offensive line with Munchak at the controls. And like you said, Chad, I mean, it's all based on the West Coast schemes, the the Kubiaks, the Shanahans, a lot of max protect, a lot of boot action, um, two wide receiver sets, a heavy running component. It, it all is good on paper, it sounds like. And, and coming back to our point, I do like – um, Fangio sticking his beacon where he should because he is the head coach, Dad. I mean, that's still his responsibility to cover all the sides of the ball. Um, and like I said, as long as he doesn't spread himself too thin and take away from the defense, it, it's the right move to me. Absolutely. And while we're still on the topic of offense, another thing that Fangio talked about with regard to the Denver Broncos in 2019 is his belief that perhaps people are sleeping a little bit on what this offense can be. In fact, his quote was, he was actually talking a little bit about the topic of conversation was anyway, Joe Flacco. But here's the quote he said uh, with regard to this, this offense. He said, I think offensively, we have a chance to be better than people think we do. I think the players are better on offense than the perception was when I first got there, close quote. So, I mean, if you look at it, there's some questions still in terms of the offensive line. We don't know how healthy Ronald Leary is going to be, what what version of Ronald Leary the Broncos are going to get in 2019. There's still the question of who's going to start at right guard. There's still the question of whether or not Connor McGovern's really going to be able to, you know, take command of the center position and take a leap another leap forward in his development. So there's some questions there and then of course you got the free agent coming in on as a right tackle and Jawan James fitting in and what's going to happen with Garrett Bowles. Now it all portends well because of the arrival of Mike Munchak, but there are some questions on the offensive line, but that's mitigated by the coaching. Then you go out, you're building this offense out. At tight end, 
you know, you, you took care of the biggest need in terms of experience. You got a veteran in there in, in Jeff Hireman who did show some upside last year. If he can stay healthy, you know, you've got yourself at least a solid tight end option. And if Jake Butt or either he or uh, Troy Fumagalli can take that next step and, and stay healthy also in 2019, you might have something. And this is completely not even regarding what's going to happen in the draft. You keep building it out at wide receiver. You got some talent there in Emmanuel Sanders, again, similarly to Ronald Leary. You don't know exactly what version you're going to get back from from Sanders in 2019 coming off an Achilles and some really exciting young receiving talent. And then we've already touched on the the running back stable. So the pieces are there. And I tend to concur, Zach, with Mr. Fangio himself that this offense has the chance. Now, he's not making a bold prediction, but I think he's correct in that the Broncos have a chance to be a lot better offensively than people really think coming out of that horrid 2018 season. I think this was a little more platitudinal, if that's a word, Chad. I think this was a little more coach speak because it's not saying much. I mean, what was the Broncos offense before he got there? It was Case Keenum and a bunch of unknowns and undecided contracts. Yeah, they are better now, but it's it's the, from the, the recency bias and last year's expectations, it's not really setting a high bar. They are better, and they really are talking themselves and deluding themselves to a point in thinking Joe Flacco instantly makes them some playoff titled contender. I mean, they still have holes, as you just outlined, Chad, all over the place. There, there's some foundational pieces, sure. There's some solid parts there, but there's a lot of more questions that need to be answered. And so saying that they're better off now as opposed to a couple months ago, it doesn't really do much for me. I still want to see it when they all come together. And I think he made that comment because he knows they're not done adding to the offense yet. Whether that's a quarterback or a receiver or a tight end, I, I think it's still a rough draft and an incomplete product. I mean, if you look at it like this, when he's, when he's talking about better than when I got here, did the Broncos upgrade the quarterback position? My opinion is they did. Even if at, in, a, in a skeptical sense, it's very, you know, doesn't move the needle a whole heck of a lot farther north, taking Joe Flacco, replacing Case Keenum with Joe Flacco. I still think it was a at least a modest upgrade at the quarterback position. Right tackle, Valdir was solid, but he was getting old and he missed four starts to injury last season. I think it's pretty safe to say that the Broncos upgraded right tackle with Jawan James, but other than that, it's the same cast of characters. So what I think he's mostly talking about, if I'm reading between the lines, is the arrival of Joe Flacco and the improved coaching aspect of Rich Scangarello and the the focus on teaching and the passion for teaching and what that can do at an individual level to raise all ships. You know, it's the tide that raises all boats, so to speak. But I think Fangio very much was a rubber stamper in terms of the Joe Flacco move. Check out what he had to say about about Flacco. He said, quote, I think there's a lot left with Joe. He's got an athletic body. I don't think he's got a body that will slowly break down. Now, that's not to say he can't get injured, but some bodies last longer naturally than others. I think he's got a body that can last a long time. He throws the ball with ease, meaning that it's just natural. There's not a lot of torque so I think his arm strength has not wavered one bit since he came into the league. And he's hungry. Joe wants to do well. I think a lot of players, they lose their stinger before they lose their talent. And Joe's stinger is still sharp, Zach. I mean, <laughs> this to me is the delusion I'm talking about. What does an athletic athletic body mean, Chad? He's an NFL player. He's a quarterback. I mean, what does it mean that he wants to do well? What player doesn't want to do well? To me, this was coach speak, and this is where... I didn't really like what Fangio said too much because he's really just parroting John Elway with the whole answering his prime comments. I just am a staunch uh, denier in that. I don't really think a 34-year-old Joe Flacco, and he just mentioned his health. I mean, he was injured last year. He had a hip injury. So they're really talking themselves into and really gassing themselves up about Joe Flacco. I strongly disagree with the direction they're going with him. Uh, the rest of the roster, sure, but Joe Flacco, it's going to be a sensitive subject to me because all they're doing is just spouting platitudes and cliches, Chad. The one thing I'll take away, diving a little bit deeper on that conversation is, or on that remark, I should say, is the the aspect that, that Flacco is hungry. And that's something that I think is... So was Case Keenum. Well, it's different. It's a different animal because Keenum is a guy that's been always, you know, nipping at the heels of the NFL. Joe Flacco was a first-round pick. He was a top-ten pick. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's, as John Elway talked about at, at the podium, he's got more road playoff wins than any quarterback in NFL history, it's believed to be. So 
what I'm getting at is he's been around the block, right? This isn't Case Keenum who finally got his first chance to be the guy. This is a guy who's been the guy for more than a decade in Baltimore. And then, as you've talked about a lot, he loses his spot to an upstart rookie and a a rookie who went on to prove that he was not not very uh, polished as a passer. And so he has to move on. Joe Flacco's dealt without his permission. Joe Flacco told the story. He wasn't involved in the actual trade to Denver, like say maybe a Peyton Manning would have been, like like making sure he was involved in the talks and involved in where he was going. That even Tim Tebow had a say in where he went when John Elway dealt him to the Jets. That was Tebow's choice to go to the Jets as opposed to better compensation for the Broncos had he gone to Jacksonville and probably would have been worked out better for Tebow if he had gone to Jacksonville, but he chose New York. Flacco wasn't given that prerogative. He wasn't given that opportunity. He was just dealt to Denver. He got the call from from DaCosta, the GM there now in Baltimore that replaced Ozzie Newsom. He's in the car with his wife. Hey, Joe, you're going to Denver. And Joe talked about being excited and the smiles and all that. I don't doubt for for all the for all the skepticism that might exist with regard to what does Flacco have left in the tank, the one thing I don't doubt Zach is that he does have a little bit of a chip. He's got something to prove, and he doesn't appreciate the way his story ended in Baltimore. And we saw the same thing with Peyton Manning. How much that can fuel a player and chips of any sort. I mean, just look at the the chip that's been on Chris Harris's shoulder. Look at the chip that was on C.J. Anderson as two undrafted guys. Tom Brady as a as a guy who dri- you know slipped almost completely out of the draft, didn't go till round six. So that aspect, that emotional component, and even though Flacco tried to downplay it at his introductory press conference, and he talked more about you know being motivated to win and be the best at what he does as opposed to proving anyone wrong. I still think there that there is something there in terms of that chip and the motivation. So when Fangio says and he's hungry, that's one thing I don't doubt. Well, I mean, to your point about the trade, though, he didn't have the star power as a Tebow or the ability or the talent as a Peyton Manning. And even Antonio Brown was traded in the middle of the night. He didn't know where he was going. So most NFL players don't have a say in that process. And I'm sure he is hungry. I'm sure his ego was hurt. I'm sure he wants to uh, look better in the public eye. I'm sure he wants to rehab his value. I just am a big believer in letting it play out on the field instead of buying into what's predictably February fluff, March fluff, and pre-draft fluff. I just want to see what they do when the, when the bulls are flying, Chad. I think until then, you and I are going to have to just uh, agree disagree about Joe Flacco. Zach is the Joe Flacco denier of the podcast. <laughs> And I, and I'll just be you know the the Joe we'll, we'll we'll be the yin and yang the truther yeah I'll be the truther so we still got a lot to get to uh, a couple more things we want to land on before we get out of here today from Fangio's presser but first we got to take a quick break we ran kind of long in our first segment so give us just a second we'll be right back this is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach, so a couple more things to touch on from Vic Fangio's remarks here. And for those of you who want even more analysis on these topics, we've got several articles live right now at milehighhuddle.com in which you can go through and read our uh, our long-form analysis on this in the written word. But a couple things here, too, that, that Fangio talked about is the smokescreen aspect that you, you wrote about on Wednesday. And the full quote of... What we know, and we talked about this earlier on episodes this week, the Broncos are bringing in all big four of the quarterback uh, class for the 30 pre-draft visits. Four of those are being allotted to the quarterback position. They'll bring in a lot of different players for those visits. They're working out Clayton Thorson. Now, he's not coming to the facility. They're going to go and work him out somewhere in the Chicago area. So he won't count on those 30-team visit type of of, uh, meetings. But they're, they're turning over stones, as Elway talked about. They're doing their homework. But here's how Fangio couched it in his remarks down at the NFL head coach's breakfast. He said, quote, with regards to it being a, a necessary evil, the idea that you know your fans and media are trying to read more and more into each and every visit and, and try and drill down. Here's what he says, quote, 
meeting these guys, I think it helps. I think it's more, for every guy, it's a little bit different. Some guys you're bringing in just to get a little bit better feel for them. Some guys you're bringing in, you feel like you have a lot of questions that you want to ask and get answered. It's a different degree. Some of those guys you're bringing in, you're just bringing in as a smoke screen. I wouldn't get too enamored with who we're bringing in or who the other 31 teams are bringing in. It could mean something. It might not mean something. I think the guys that try and read the tea leaves on the draft drive themselves crazy, close quote, which is actually a pretty interesting quote there and a guy speaking quite honestly from the hip, Zach. This I love from Vic Fangio. I mean, you're talking about a guy dropping truth bombs during a season where lies run rampant, and he's absolutely correct. Some of these are just misdirection, trying to throw other teams off their scent. Others are genuine. I'm sure they like some of the quarterbacks. I'm not sure whether they would draft all of them. But he was being truthful. And you don't see this type of candor, Chad, from NFL coaches too often being this open with media. And again, it could be him being a first-time coach, a rookie coach, still getting his bearings. But I love how refreshingly honest he is, brutally honest, whereas we suffered through two years of Vance Joseph where he was just a walking robot. It is truth, though. I mean, there's a lot of truth to what he's saying. Not everyone the Broncos are going to bring in, they will use their 30 visits. But draftable players among those 30, maybe a handful. So I, I love what he said here. I, I So far, I love how open he is uh, in public. Yeah, I mean, most of the guys that the Broncos have brought in on team visits traditionally do not end up coming to Denver. The Broncos have opportunities to draft those guys, a lot of those same players, and they pass. They wait, or they don't like the value, and someone else takes them before they would have taken them in terms of value. I mean, look at Bradley Chubb. They didn't bother meeting with Bradley Chubb last year because they didn't expect him to be on the board when they went on the clock, even at pick five. So, you know, they were way closer to the top of the draft last year, and they still didn't bring in Bradley Chubb because it just – they couldn't believe. They couldn't even fathom. It didn't even occur to them that the Browns at bottom wouldn't take Bradley Chubb with the fourth pick right before them. And so when he went on the clock, all of the smokescreen aspect of the different visits the Broncos did leading up to the 2018 draft went right out the window when the card was turned in and Bradley Chubb's name was announced. So there's definitely some truth there. I mean, we're, that doesn't mean that guys like us are going to stop trying to interpret what we're hearing, <laughs> no interpret way. what we're seeing, you know, work our sources, talk to people, and try and do the best we can to project what might happen on draft day. But but Fangio, you know, it's kind of a reality check there, Zach. It is. And, um, you know, until we get to that point, we don't know for sure. The draft is the biggest crapshoot in the NFL. It's one of the most unpredictable things in all of sports, Chad. Um, Not even teams know right now. Not even Elway knows where he wants to go, who he's going to take. And and they're going to keep us in the dark as much as possible. Um, And Elway is notoriously tight-lipped. We didn't get much out of him. But like I said, I just love how open Fangio is. And I'm sure it won't last long. I'm sure the PR staff will get to him and tell him to, you know, kind of play a little more secretive. But I would be surprised among the players they they brought into Dove Valley, how many of those end up actually being Broncos. There's two more topics Fangio broached that we want to analyze here on the show for you. The first one being what he had to say, comparing the Bears defense to the Broncos defense. And first thing I want to read is this quote. He says from Fangio, quote, The Broncos defense is in a better spot than when we first took over Chicago, that's for sure. Now, remember, Fangio took over as as defensive coordinator under John Fox in Chicago in 2015. Continuing the quote, We have good players on our edge in Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, obviously. We have a safety we like in Justin Simmons. We still have Chris Harris Jr., who's a good corner nickelback, and we've been able to add a couple guys through free agency. We're in a lot better shape in Denver than we were when we first started in Chicago, but we still have work to do, both in improving our roster and improving our play. Close quote. And that was another thing that's on this same topic is that, you know, we we talk about trying to turn the ship around from a uh, back-to-back double-digit lost seasons, and it's it's a complicated issue, you would think. Not to Fangio. He's boiled it down to what's it going to take, coach? How do you turn the ship around? And he simply says, we got to improve the play. You improve the play, you're going to win more games. So obviously there's a lot of, you know, in terms of what goes into that process and how the sausage gets made. But Zach, he really boils it down at the end of that quote. He says, we still have work to do both in improving our roster, hence the draft, and improving our play, hence the offseason training program and training camp. 
It was a surprising quote to me, and it might lend a little insight as to why he left Chicago, Chad, to come to Denver. He was in a good place there, and maybe he thought there was better talent. And I happen to agree. I mean, you have a future Hall of Famer in Von Miller, who is, to me, better than Khalil Mack. I know it's going to cause some hot takes out there. No, I, and Bradley, undisputable, right? but go on. Right, yeah. And you have Bradley Chubb, who is a clone of both of them put together, and then you have a, a good front line, you have a good secondary. And the thing about Fangio is he's not boisterous, he's not loud, but he's quietly confident in himself. Very, very confident. He knows he's among the best minds in the NFL. He knows the Broncos needed him more than he needed the Broncos. So I have, I have no doubt in my mind as to why he thinks this way, and I like it. That's what you want in a leader, quiet confidence. Do as I show, not what I say, as you like to say, Chad. Indeed. And he talked about one other quote I want to read on this topic is that, you know, when he arrived in 2015 along with with John Fox, it kind of it was a roster very much in a shambles. And so it was a process. Here's what he said, quote, getting it to that number one ranking across the board, basically, that the Bears had last year. He said, quote, it was a process. When we first go there, they weren't very good. In fact, they were terrible. It took a while. The first year we got two players. We drafted Eddie Goldman, the nose tackle in the second round and the safety, Adrian Amos, in the fifth round. Then the next year, we added outside linebacker Leonard Floyd, defensive end Akeem Hicks, and linebacker Danny Trevathan. Then in year three, we had safety Eddie Jackson and cornerback Prince Amukamara. Then this past year, we added, obviously, Roquan Smith in the draft and Khalil Mack with the trade right before the opener. It took a while, but we became very good. It was a slow building process, and when we got players like Roquan and Khalil at the end there, it put us over the top, close quote. So I think that's it's very true. Like for a, for like Wade Phillips, for example, when he came to Denver in 2015, he wouldn't have been hitting the ground running nearly as quickly and as, as dominantly as he was able to in Denver if the talent wasn't already there waiting for the right coach to step in, mold it, and, and get him going in the right direction. With Fangio, he was very much a part of a rebuild of a defense there in Chicago. And one of the things that had to be extremely alluring to him for this Broncos job was the fact that he's stepping in and he's got many of the building blocks already in place, Zach, to really hit the ground running defensively. Yeah, and to me, it's a smart approach because he knows he gets a honeymoon season this year. He knows he's going to be around for the long term. And he knows that the Broncos players can be better this is a guy who said he's going to make Von Miller better, make Bradley Chubb better. That's a scary proposition, Chad, for the rest of the NFL. And Fangio knows he can do it. He knows that the Broncos' defense isn't where they need to be right now. He knows he can get more out of them. And he's just quietly confident. And I have faith that he will follow through on his on his words. Another thing that he talked about that jumped out to me is multiple times, you know, whenever the media that were on site wanted to talk about the rivals in the AFC West, of course, the first name off their lips is Patrick Mahomes, for good reason. 50 touchdowns, gets the AFC Championship game. But you also have, they, they would bring up Phillip Rivers and the Chargers because that roster is so talented and all that. But Fangio, every time it was his turn to talk, he would bring up the Raiders. He brought up Derek Carr. And here's a quote, in fact, you wrote about this, Zach. He said, this is Fangio, quote, Derek Carr out in Oakland is a great quarterback, great arm talent, and can make every throw in the book. He's an elusive quarterback. He's got scrambling ability. He's a really good quarterback who has already displayed his success. He led Oakland to a 12-4 and season not too long ago. Oakland, I think, took it on the chin last year by design. They've stockpiled some draft picks, saved some money, and they've been very active in free agency. They have a bunch of draft picks now. They're going to make a big move from last year to this year, closed quote. Now, as you write about in the piece, some people still very much consider the Raiders to be a joke because of not only how bad they were at times last year, but the trades, right? Getting rid of Khalil Mack and then having John Gruden talk about how hard it is to find a good pass rusher in the NFL. <laughs> and, you know, then, the, of course, the Amari Cooper trade and all that. So they very much earned this laughing stock kind of perception in NFL fan base, but... I think right now teams who underestimate the Raiders in 2019 do so at their own peril because we'll see whether or not they're able to make some hay with these three first-round picks this year, Zach. But as Fangio said, a lot of the pieces are in place, and they're going to have an opportunity to, as he talked about there, make a big move in the AFC West in 2019, going from maybe not worst to first, but 
from worst to a problem that you really have to deal with twice a year? Well, to me personally, I, I don't think he's Tom Brady, but I think Derek Carr is not that bad of a quarterback, Chad. I mean, he's he's a pretty serviceable guy who's had some nice games against the Broncos. So I, I see what he's saying that the AFC West is not just Mahomes and Rivers. Derek Carr should be included in that conversation. And this type of preparedness will serve the Broncos as well. Fangio knows he can't take any opponent for granted in the NFL. You can never un- oh, underestimate a, guy, a, a team or a person because once you do, you will get beat. The Broncos saw that last year. They epitomized their season. Um, the Raiders should be better. They have more talent. I don't really think Carr is still long for them, though. I think they will make a move in the draft for a quarterback. But they have the pieces there. And Gruden still is an old ball coach who knows what he's doing. He might be a little outdated, but I agree with Fangio in the sense that he does have a plan. And he's executed that plan pretty well so far. They're not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to win a title. But they could be more of a thorn in the Broncos' side than some are letting on. And Fangio was warning us before it actually happens. Yep. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. And I think that Derek Carr really has lost some of his confidence. I think that's been the biggest right. issue with all the coaching changes, the two pretty significant injuries he suffered, the one that ended that 12-4 and four season with the broken leg, then the next year breaking his back, and then just dealing with that injury all through the year. And then the coaching changes and losing key players. And at bottom, it's really affected his confidence. Now, if the Raiders and John Gruden can prove their faith in him and they don't take a quarterback like, for example, Eric Trickle, in both of his best and worst case scenario mocks for the Broncos at at 10, both times he had the Raiders taking Drew Locke at pick four. So provided the Raiders don't take a quarterback high and they telegraph to Carr, hey man, we believe in you, we're restocking the roster, we're reloading this thing, let's go, I think he has a chance to bounce back and get back on a level that he was in 20, uh, what was it, 2016? Yeah, no, 2015. No? What year was that? that? Yeah, 2016. That was the year that uh, that he went 12-4. and four. So he has a chance. He has a chance, and, and I think there's some talent there. I do respect his arm. I do respect his moxie. And I think he's been to three Pro Bowls. So we, we sleep on Derek Carr at our own peril and the Oakland Raiders. That I, I definitely concur with Fangio. Yeah, and you can't sleep on anyone, Chad, in the NFL, not even Nathan Peterman. No no matter how bad or how good they are, you cannot overlook anyone. And the fact that Fangio is already employing that strategy in March, that bodes well for the Broncos when it comes September, October. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We ran a little bit long, but we will be back in the saddle tomorrow to go through. It's Friday. It'll be Friday. So we'll go through our VIP mailbag and answer the burning questions on the minds of the VIP subscribers over at milehighhuddle.com 24-7 sports. But in the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelverman247, myself at Chad N. Jensen. Stay tuned. Be good. We'll be back tomorrow. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.